Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience? How is it there? Is it ugly and rainy and hideous? Oh my God, yes. It's terrible. Okay. So it's not just here. Perfect. No, it's just miserable. Yeah, and everyone is feeling miserable too. Oh, I feel good. Is that the okay. Sorry. No, it's it's quite all right. Everyone's been snippy all day. Oh. So, no, I'm not snippy. How will I tell the difference? I know. I don't know. Snippy's not I feel like snippy is not one of my dominant traits. Not that I don't have it. Right. I feel like annoying. Like, especially when it comes to you, you were pausing like you want, you're pausing well, no. like you want me to start listing things and I'm no, not falling I mean, for that. <laughs> no, you can, you can fall, you can list them, but I feel like in, in our interactions, I feel I am rarely snippy. I may be hmm. annoying. I may be obnoxious. I, I may I, be, you know, I mean, there's lots of things. You're, you're pausing. Like I'm you not, no, I'm not. I don't oh, want you to Yeah, really that one. No, I was actually thinking of all my other faults. Right. It was hard um, to find them. I know, exactly. Yes. How was New York? It was good. It was fast. Yes, 12 hours? We were on the Isle of Manhattan for 12 hours. Yeah, well, no, actually, probably 10 hours. Worth it? It was. It was really fun. All right. I was, and I'm very proud of my ability to pack a whole lot into a day i was gonna say pat yourself on the back but okay you were saying yes pack pack a lot into a day yeah and it was and the girls were excellent sports they Mm -hmm. we um the worst thing about it was uh i don't if you want to no longer believe in christmas Mm -hmm. then you should definitely go to midtown at christmas time and try to see the tree and try to see anything happening Mm. you know everyone everyone dreams of this is like supposed to be the most beautiful perfect yep and you can ice skate right underneath it oh but you can't Mm. so first of all i have many pictures of me over the years where i would have been there at some point when the tree was lit right and you could get right to the tree Mm -hmm. yeah no you you well you must pay for that privilege now ah so you can take a picture about in front of barriers from far away. Um, but it, which is still packed, you cannot move. Right. And if you would like to go ice skating, which one of our girls did want to do, mm-hmm. you must walk if depending where you're dropped off, obviously, yes. um, three, you know, three corners of a block. Mm-hmm. And then you have to take an elevator down. No option for stairs because they've blocked all the stairs. Not great for me, mm-hmm. but I did it. That's dedication. And then, yeah, you must finagle your way to the back. Now, I think if you pre-ordered them, it wouldn't be that bad. But if you would like to skate day of, $91 for an hour. Wow. Yeah. So, no, wow. no, that did not happen. And then we got lost in the basement of Rock Center. Rock, I, I could get that. I see mm-hmm. that. And then we came out of there and worked our way to Fifth Avenue, saw mm. some beautiful windows, and that was nice. Saks had some amazing windows, and Bergdorf's did. But still, people everywhere yeah. went to Bryant Park to go to the Christmas market, could not move <laughs> at all. Mm. You know, it is a very bad day when I, who hate times, hate Times Square. 
Right. Felt a sense of safety and relief when I got to Times Square. Yeah, that's not a great sign. It's not a great sign. This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. That's not why I brought you here today. Um, we need Maybe to they talk. should just call us. They should, really. We need to talk about the 26-year-old uh, fan who's probably uh, a listener of the show. Which or maybe one? not. So a Disneyland guest. Oh, the t- yes. Who was arrested, was it last weekend? I think so. The days are starting to run together. Yeah. Yes. Okay, this is the AP line. And I'm just going to read the first sentence because it's amazing. <laughs> uh, Dateline, Anaheim, California. Disneyland guest was arrested Sunday afternoon after removing his pants while writing It's a Small World, Anaheim police told the Daily Desk Monday. Now, any other questions? Right. So apparently, um, have you seen the video? (gasps) No, there's video. I'm the one who sent the story, and I haven't seen the video. So there's video, like, he, he had already gotten off the ride, and you know that water is like, a foot deep. It's, yes. Oh, oh, and disgusting. Yes. yes. Um, but they showed him there. There was video of him, like in the India section, kind of walking, mm-hmm. climbing up the giant reflecting pool in front of the Taj Mahal. Yes. And he turns around and sits in there, and he's clothed at this point. See, I would that that would be where you'd want to be naked. You would think, but you don't want to offend anybody. There's a lot, you know. Who the snake charmer like? No, no, I mean in in front of a religious icon such as that. Well, true. Uh, you know, is it a religious icon or is it a? Is it? Well, know. an iconic. Because it's wasn't it? It was built for like. I don't know. Go get naked in front of the fake Eiffel Tower. Know, That's what I'm maybe saying. Maybe talk to my mother. Yeah. Um. Yes. Will you please welcome to the show? No, but like, or go to. Go to fake England on It's a Small World. and Right, because fake England's kind of lame on It's a Small World. I was going to say get naked um, next to Big Ben, but that's... Are why, okay, and why get naked on It's a Small World? Because first of all, the number of ridiculous jokes that are going to come out about it being small is... Small world. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, first of all, if I'm going to get naked, I'm going to get naked with a bunch of pirates. Mm-hmm. Or... With in like the, the wench dunking booth, the the well, of course, or the wench auction. Actually, I would be more wench auction, mm. or when they're chasing them. Is that Make at the auction? As, I think so. It's part. Yeah. Oh no, when they're sacking the town, I think. Yes, and it's burning, and they're yeah. and then I so then I would be running naked from pirates, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, in a grand change, I would clearly have stilettos and a machine gun. Ah, curveball. I'd take Very out good. the, or I would just be naked with Captain Jack Sparrow because right. it's Jack Sparrow. Bye. Mm-hmm. Have a great ride. Plus, Pirates it's dark in there, me. so you can hide things you don't want to show. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you have any flaws, but yeah. Small and World feels creepy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, anything at Disney is probably not great, but Small but Worlds, the, the Choir of Children, not the greatest. Yes. Look. Not great. Um, and, but so the video then of uh, was of him kind of right outside because I have not been to Disneyland. I've only been to Disney World. Ever? Ever. 
wow, we're going to have to go there. And I, I grew up deprived. Yes, but you did. You did. Disneyland, very... the, do they load everyone outside or does the ride just go outside for a little bit and then go back into the show? Oh, God, it's been a long time. I don't know. I have been to Disneyland, but it's right. been. So it like the part the where the ride goes in back into right. the, uh, in, inside of the dark, dark right. ride element of it. That's where they caught this guy. Hmm. And so they had a couple cops who had to get in the water to grab him. And then they kind of threw a jacket over him and carried him through the park. So nobody was offended. Um, but this, uh, he was charged with indecent okay, exposure. So, but first of all, yes, yes. they carried him through the park with just the jacket over him? Yes. But they, Wouldn't it was you like, like run to a souvenir store and get like some goofy sweats to throw on him? To just make it a little, little bit like, like a figment hat, is that what you're saying? Yes, only that would be an upcut, mm-hmm. but make it less obvious, like just to. I mean, you. I think they they were four police officers, like fully. This was not like Disney police with three finger gloves carrying this guy. <laughs> I know, but even still, I feel like you wouldn't want to shock the children anymore. Ooh, what Why about if happen? somebody got naked in the? Peter Pan ride as like pushed off Captain Hook and like standing in the jaws of the crocodile. Oh yes, and then everyone could clap their hands. Yes, I do believe in. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, but my favorite line, uh, apart from the opening sentence, uh, police transported him to a local hospital. Quote, as a precaution. Yeah. Yeah. So. Apparently, he was um, uh, under the influence of something. Shocking. Right. Um, This, and then, again, I don't know. Was he alone? He was alone. But, so he, um, a passerby in the video called out the man for stripping naked in front of children. But here's the other part I'm confused about. Mm -hmm. Because he was naked, but then... Isn't there a whole thing about how he was not fully naked, but maybe in his underwear and there were Christmas carols or something? I, the Again, the article, um, they say, after some weird quoting of online speculation, which is like, why... Why go to that? Dump? I know this is very confusing. Were the were the reporters on something too? They might have been. The final sentence is, di- says Disney theme parks require all patrons to wear quote proper attire, including shirt, shoes, and shirts at all times. Clearly. And then uh, caps everything off with earlier this year, a former Disney World employee was charged with shooting upskirt videos of a female customer. They okay, now you're just making it gross. Right. I mean, not saying you should be naked in front of, of children. Naked, that yeah, is not. Right. But I feel that that is worse. That's a whole other. You're, you're, you're kind of comparing apples and, an or- and oranges, no pun intended. Correct. Um, yeah, there was clear. There was no evidence of anything untoward about him being naked and it's a no. small world. Just wanted to take his clothes off and it's Just a small world. wanted to be naked and it's a small world. Hang out at the Taj Mahal. Yeah, I mean, again, there are other rides I think it'd be better, you know? I know, I think so too. But 
maybe, I don't know. Like, I mean, Journey Through the Imagination probably would have been a good choice. It would be, or I, you don't want to do any of the log flume Space Mountain type things. You got to you got to go dark. Well, because Space Mountain, no one's gonna. Well, actually, Space Mountain, you know, would be naughty because no one would be able to see you. Mm. To be kind of like you get away with it there, right? Yeah, the Wedway People Mover. Like, come on. I mean, uh, what about the Matterhorn? Oh, there's that. There's um, I guess if you got naked at the Carousel of Progress, it'd only be me in there. <laughs> it would just be mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I get that. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. I mean, we haven't even talked Haunted Mansion. I know. But I mean, I the graveyard. The yeah. Like, come on, just pop Popping it up. up. Yeah. <laughs> Be amazing. I just, what I love about the Carousel of Tomorrow is like, are people going to be misogynist in the future? The ride that says, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes. Are women still going to be told they need to be making dinner? Yes, yes they, are. they will. So they do. Uh, yep. And dad's going to be the lovable oaf who can't do anything right. And he can't of fix course. the dog robot uh-uh. thing. And Oh, it's going to be great. As with all, t- you know. So what's our takeaway from this? I think it is, if you go to Disneyland or Dis- or any Disney property. Right. And you want to get naked, uh, keep it to a dark ride. Correct. And perhaps, here's my little pun, or my little shout out for our show, perhaps listen to our episode from our friend who wrote the books on all the places to get naked and have a yes. little romp Yes, at Disney parks, which are yes. much more fun than it's a small world, although it's a small world might be in there somewhere, but still. Right. No, I was... You say have a little romp. I was going to say have intercourse because that sounds so much more. Enjoyable. Well, because you <laughs> hang out at the Carousel of Progress, <laughs> and I hang out at the Haunted Mansion, exactly, and with the pirates. So this right. tracks. Yes, um, but there's so many other. You got to you got to do dark ride, like for the reasons we've said. Yes, I think Tiki Room would be good. I mean, the light a comes up, percent. and suddenly you're just on one of those perches, just. Yes. As a jaybird. Um, of course. Singing along. You've been waiting all week to say that. I haven't, but now that I said it, I want to like walk around the house and just start. I mean, that kind of, well, that kind of like fixes the fact that you just said the word intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> what was the thing that drew you to Shemp as a, as an actor, as a character? What was it about him? Well, there's, there's two things, really, and it's it's, it's quite simple. Um, number one, from day one, back in 1958, when we started running the, the, the shorts on television, I was about seven, eight years old. And like everyone, it was Curly Larry Moe, and I liked them. I thought it was great. My parents hated it because they thought it was too violent. But all of a sudden, Shemp showed up, and I thought, well, who's this guy? Like a lot of people were, were reacting rather negatively, which I didn't understand. And I thought, more choice for me in the world is, is all the better. And I thought, I like this guy. And uh, I like Shemp. And I also like Larry. 
So there's two strange choices. Mm. The other reason, and this is the most obvious reason, this is the 100th anniversary when Tent Healy started the, the sort of the embryonic uh, assemblage of two or three stooges that did become the three stooges. So you can say it's literally the 100th year. It's, it's a century-old uh, anniversary for the three stooges. And it was, it was Haley, and the only constant during that period from 1923 to 1930 was Shem. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo, Mo, is, Mo is his childhood friend, which is great. He may, he may have appeared first on stage with him. I don't know. But as, as Shem's wife said to another author, um, you go through all the, 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 the names during that period, and you see all kinds, like Freddie Stanborn and people of that nature, uh, and Kurt, uh, basically Mo, Shemp, then Larry. Larry came along in, in uh, 1928, March. Um, the, the constant is Shemp. It wasn't there every single minute, but the constant was. So she said, essentially, what I'm telling you is, and she said, I was there, I know. He was the first professional stooge for Ted Healy. And argue, uh, you know, as you may want to do, and lots of people do. I have no problem saying, you know, Shemp and Mo were the original stooges. Uh, that's not an issue with me. I don't want to get into, like, huge arguments about that. But if I was looking for the original, I would say Shemp. Mm-hmm. And I happened to like him. He was different. He looked a little bit like Mo. And also, unlike Curly, and by the way, absolutely, you know, Curly to me is like, is a force of nature. It's absurd. <laughs> I mean, poor Shemp having to, to sit in or stand in or, or, or fall flat on your, your backside for, for Curly, for a talent like that. Man, that must have just been mind-boggling. So it's not a question of me not liking Curly. I love him. Just great. But... Um, Shemp, you know, there was something just different about him because he wasn't the man-child that Curly was. If, if uh, Mo was going to slap or poke him in the eyes, um, then even if he didn't get to actually hit Mo, he'd certainly raise his fist up and say, why are you? Sort of almost like a Mo. And um, I liked it. And then all of a sudden, I just got to see, as the, as the cable industry, the TV industry started to evolve, and networks like TCM would come along, which is the major one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd watch a movie and say, well, "What's this? What what Shem Howard doing in this this film? This is the major film. Uh, this is WC Fields. This is the bank deck." Do you think he was heading to something bigger if Curly, if he wasn't sort of roped back in with his brothers, if if Curly hadn't died, or they'd gotten somebody else to replace him? Well, the the interesting part about that was. Um, of course, what happened was it was uh, Curly hadn't yet died. He had some major strokes uh, during Halfwit's holiday, uh, during the, the break, the intermission. Uh, Curly went to sit down, and that was it. He had another major. He'd, he'd had a major stroke. He started to cry. His he couldn't speak. His face was extremely ashen looking, and they knew this was it. They, they didn't know that this was it. He was going to die on the spot. So the agreement for him to come back was purely on a temporary basis. And that's why he agreed, because he said, I, I can't come back permanently. You know, I know it's it's a family duty. And he realized deep in his heart, he, he knew that if he didn't come back, that would be the end of the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. There was no joke, no joke. 
no Joe Besser or Curly Joe Dorita just waiting in the wings. And, and contrary to what some people say, there was no Buddy Hackett. That was that was an amazing story that just is, is not true. I can't I cannot find any anything other than Buddy Hackett saying that he was asked to be part mm-hmm. of the studio. And I checked with uh, well, one of for instance, the editor of uh, my book, one of the editors, uh, Brenta Segwin, basically it was nonsense, absolute nonsense. So, um, yeah, do I think he was in for uh, more? I think what he was likely in for, seeing as the short films were, were basically about to end in '58, they may have ended earlier than that. Given the Stooges were the main, the main draw, they were the, right. they they were it. I think he would have ended up like people like uh, Harpo Marx, appearing here, there, and everywhere on mm-hmm. I Love Lucy. Uh, there was game shows were starting to make a big hit. And Shemp was an incredible ad-libber. He was way ahead of his time. You, you think um, somebody like uh, Robin Williams and, and George Carlin sort of invented the ad-lib. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Shemp was doing that years and years ago. So whether it was whether he was destined for bigger things – and had he not himself died when he was only 60, I would say he would have a comfortable living because mm-hmm. he was very well respected. And it, another reason, too, that I got involved in this is it absolutely irks me when I hear him referred to as the Forgotten Stooge. Well, forgotten by who? Mm-hmm. And, you know, was this was this sort of a predestined uh, idea of producers that didn't really like him? Because... Once people get seemingly get used to the fact that Curly's no longer around, he died at 52, of course, mm-hmm. uh, at the age of 48. But once they get used to that, people started to warm up. And as the audience got older, because the Three Stooges were, were not introduced as a kid's act. That was something that happened in the 60s, that, that, mm-hmm. the business with uh, Curly Joe Dorita. Um, and like more power to them back, uh, back then, because that's what Mo wanted. Really, more than anything, he wanted the Three Stooges to be, not to be just in a feature film, but to be the stars of the feature film, and that's what happened in in the late fifties to early sixties. There was about I don't know how many. There was a handful of films, and they were the stars, and they made some pretty good bucks out of that. And had Shemp still been alive, let's put it this way: if Shemp would have stayed with the Stooges, like what well, he was there with the Stooges. And then, of course, the, the short features ended. But if he had still been around and, and lived through that period and um, and Larry Fine hadn't discovered Joe Dorita playing uh, his act at uh, Vegas, I believe, uh, so there was another Stooge Ray. But if Shemp was still in reasonably good shape, and like I say, he wasn't that old, um, he would probably have been in the features mm-hmm. and driving some poor director mad because, oh, stop doing that bad living, Shemp. We know you're clever. We know you're clever. But so that's the other reason, too, because he's a great ad-libber. He's also a very good physical comedian. And uh, he he knows how to act with big men in in big roles like John Wayne and James Stewart, Um, people of that stage. And that's because of of Ted Healy. He was a Mm -hmm. tall man. So... You know, Shem to me is is kind of the is the ideal Stooges in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate everything that all six of them did. I'm one of these strange birds. Uh, you know, I you you always have your favorites, 
Mm-hmm. And for me, if people ask me, I'd say, well, it was Champ and Larry. But I mean, did I have respect for the others? Absolutely. Curly, I mean, uh, Steve Allen, the, the original talk show host. Yeah. I don't know his exact words, but he said, um, he said, that Curly Howard, I mean, he's an amazing comedian. I mean, it's just, just natural. And most people with Shemp, way, way, way back in the old days, family, friends, and the rest, they said, Shemp is the natural comedian of the family. He's hmm. hilarious, funny. He's a prankster, he's a troublemaker, and he's so funny. And you look at his stuff. Uh, a lot of the people I talked to for the book, they said, the older I got, the more I like Shemp. It's hmm. funny, because he's like, actually kind of like a human being. He's a student still, but he's sort of like a human being. <laughs> nice, nice compliment. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I could go on and on, and I shouldn't let you, because I, I, I know you probably have some more questions you want to get Well, it's, it, it's interesting, because like you were saying, the fact that you you like Shemp as, as a standout stooge, let's put it that way, let's not, we don't have to rank them. Um, right. But then you have things that it, I feel like popular culture now has really turned against Shemp and this idea that he was not as good as Curly and he, he, however you want to take that and look at it. You have right. Sam Raimi with the term fake Shemp for yeah. uh, a stand-in that is not the actor. Um, well, of course, that that was uh, that was more a compliment to Shemp because the, the fake Shemp is Joe Palmer and he was replacing Shemp who died. Right. So the, uh, uh, I think Sam Raimi, uh, although I, I didn't get a hold of him, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I suspect he's got sort of a grudging admiration for Shemp hmm. because he came along and he'd been with the Stooges not only originally, which they all knew, like him and his brother and all uh, all those great actors in those deadly evil movies of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the cast list at the end, 13 fake Shemps of one <laughs> of his films. Um, I think, too. And you're absolutely spot on with this. Society seemed to have it in for Shem. But you start looking now, and I'm noticing this really, this is really odd, that people around my age, which is the incredibly old 73 next month, um, they're still loving the Stooges. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's maybe some of it's politically correct, but I don't know, there's awfully politi- politically incorrect stuff out there now. But it's it's there, and on top of that, a lot of my uh, not now because they're growing, and some of them nieces and nephews who are a lot younger than me, uh, they're turning on to the Stooges. So then now they've got this this young group that like him, and these elderly types. Uh, I think it keeps us kind of young in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got when I got death, <laughs> I literally got deadly ill writing this book. By the way, I almost died. And what was the first thing I turned on when I got back? I said to my wife, please, turn a stooge. One with champ especially, because I, I'm, I may not live through this. I may not actually live because I almost died from sepsis, <laughs> believe it or not. That has nothing to do with the book. But I thought I'd throw that in, folks, because I have a punchline. So it's, it's a, a selling uh, a line. I was going to say, we're trying to move a few books here, so let's make yeah, sure we I'm, really play on the yeah. guilt. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I almost died for this book, folks. And um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, for someone who doesn't really laugh very much, which is me, I'm always amused. Uh, I have mm-hmm. no issue with the Stooges. People say, well, they're not innovators. Oh, well, maybe they're not. But I'll tell you what, they do it better than anyone else that I can think of. Yeah. I still like the March Brothers. I still love Lauren Hardy, Evan Costello. Great. 
But the Stooges, well, they're right on top for me. And Shemp's right up there. In doing your research for the book, you know, like we were saying, society sort of turning against Shemp. Yeah. What was the reaction to him at the time? Were people like, this isn't Curly? Or were people saying, well, this is the new phase of Stoogery? It was kind of half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were saying, uh, you know, no, this is this isn't right. I mean, you know, Curly was so good. It's right. not as if Moe and Larry weren't good. I mean, they they did their best. I mean, I love Larry. I think he's the best uh, reacting reacting to comedian that I've ever seen. Some mm-hmm. face bulls. Um, So it was kind of a combination of the two things. Like he's not a real, he's not a real stooge. When in actual fact, he was the real stooge because right, he was exactly. one of the originators. They didn't know that at the time. But there were people at the time who were saying, you know, I kind of like him. And I ran into people, not only now, and people who notice this in the book, one of the, the, the people I got into, and when I mean big, I mean big because it's Penn, Penn of Penn and Teller. He's mm. big. He's like, yeah. all, all six foot seven. And exactly. yeah. <laughs> he is a huge, huge Shemp fan. And uh, hmm. I got a little bit of an interview with him uh, on Twitter. And I said, oh, what the heck? This The pandemic hadn't hit yet. I went down... Before this happened, uh, I love their act. I think it's one of the funniest, most clever acts in, in the world. And I thought, I got to at least talk to them. And uh, and I know what they do is at the end of their act, they talk to audience members. So I went up there with my Shemp shirt and my uh, John Lennon white suit on. And he looked at me and says, it's the Shemp guy, you know, <laughs> in front of everyone else. And so he didn't talk to me for long, but I mean, it was concise. It was like him, tall, tall, tall but very concise at the same time. And as I was walking away, he said to some uh, woman behind me, says, I do like, love me some shimp, you know, I really do. <laughs> so that's in the book. And I started to notice these people. There's a movie and I can't, I think it's the one, um, he's only sleeping with Sandra Bullock. Yes. Uh, while you're sleeping. Yeah. And Jack Weston, they said something to the effect, like when this guy comes through, he's going to love the Stooges and, you know, and his, his favorite stooge is Curly. And so Sandra Bullock says, well, isn't everyone's favorite Curly? And Jack West in the back goes, well, I kind of like Shemp to tell you the truth. <laughs> so that's in the book. Mm-hmm. And I just all of a sudden came across these, these strange little observations that were, like you said, the, the book was turning in the early days. It was uh, never Shemp, always Curly. But things have started to drift the other, they're not against Curly. Mm-hmm. Let me say that. Let me, and to all you Curly fans, and also to all you relatives of Curly's, like Curly's grandson, absolutely love him. I think he's he was a genius, and I think it was a sad, one of the saddest things I've ever seen. That you know, and what killed him essentially, and all the rest. Right. But he said that Shemp is coming into his own. I, I consider him the Renaissance Shemp. <laughs> yeah the the stoogery yes definitely <laughs> I, I it's so it, was it fun writing this book near death experience aside yeah well aside from the fact that I, went, I was in the hospital more than i was actually writing the book right. uh, I, could have, I could have done a lot sooner it was an absolute blast i loved it i got to go to los angeles i interviewed um jill she's the first grandson I talked to the mom, uh, sorry, uh, the, da- the daughter-in-law of uh, Shims, so the the original, mm-hmm. Dr. and Sandy, who's the other granddaughter. Uh, we've been communicating back and forth. 
So love, love them. The fact that they've got their books now, you know, and it took 18 days to come across the border for them to get it. So I'm not going to blame your postal system. I'll blame the uh, no, old anyway. But anyway, they've got it. I'm really happy. I got to meet them. I, I interviewed Gilbert Gottfried about oh. six months before he died. Wow. And it was the most fun I've had with an interview ever. Uh, Pendulet, like I said, um, uh, who this, this others. Oh, Shecky Green, 97 mm. years old. He remembered Shem from the days. He was wow. there he was at Shem's house. Uh, when I interviewed him, he was um, probably in his, I would say, early 90s, maybe 92, 93. Oh, that's it. He's 97 now. He's still right. alive. Yeah. And it was, oh, my God, what a wonderful. It was like the, the original Jewish comedian kind of uh, interview he did. And then yeah. when he found out, when he found out my family name, in fact, it's not Dale, it's Blumenthal. Oh, that was it. <laughs> you know, out came the Jewish jokes, and I was I was part of the shtick. It was fun. If you you and that's a terribly long answer to a nice concise question of yours. It was fun. That's, but I feel like you almost have to have fun writing a book like this. Like if if you're not enjoying it, then who's going to read it and enjoy it? Especially yeah. when you're you're dealing with someone who so many people. I don't want to say I don't know. Meyer is the right word, or just. There's some, like you, yeah. like you're saying, something about the Stooges that just is timeless, and it's it's so interesting yeah. that so many other vaudeville acts uh, never made the leap to film, and if they made the leap to film, the films yeah. aren't, aren't preserved and aren't around. And like you said, even all, all the uh, films that Champ was in may not have mm-hmm. been all preserved or recorded, and just that like kind of all the balls having to fall in the right place where these films remain the fact that there are stooge marathons it just sort of seems like uh, so miraculous that it has continued all this time and that there's something about these you know six guys let's say that really resonate with people and that they find you know to me it's the stooges always felt like a warm bath of just like Okay, I can relax. This is nice. This is pleasant. As much as eye poking and, you know, running in circles on the floor can be nice. And But you know what I mean? Where you're just like, I mean, the perfect example, coming home from the hospital and being like, let's just, let's put on the stooges. This will be fun. You know, one of the things, too, um, again, I'm I'm not trying to sound like I'm um, holier than thou because I'm really not. One of the goals I hope for, and this is not just to sell more books, I really wanted to to see if I could stress to people who are not necessarily Stooge fans, and as I said to my publisher, there are, I believe, such creatures alive that are not Stooge fans. (laughs) However, to that minority group or whatever it is, I want you to pick up the book because there's a reason I said more than a Stooge. Because he is. And even if you don't like the Stooges or, or, or sort of mild on their, their type of humor, um, I think you might have some respect for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Like, I, I come from this weird generation. I mean, I raised on the Beatles and that sort of thing. But also raised on a lot of the stuff from the last generation. Like, uh, who, who liked the, the Three Stooges? Who did you make? Frank Sinatra. He had him on his, uh, his New Year's show back in 1951, and it was Shemp, Larry, and Mo. Mm-hmm. And apparently, according to friends of Sinatra, oh, he loved him. He loved Slapstick. 
Mm. I think he wished he could have gotten in there and got a few slaps himself. But um, oh, he did. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. It's but, not you know, on camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off camera. You know, yeah. Here for a minute, Boom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently, that's another thing, by the way. It's We're not sure if this is actually true, but legend has it that the eye poke was, in fact, the result of playing cards uh, that Shemp and Larry were playing cards. And for some reason, Shemp was very serious about cards. And he thought there was a little sleight of hand, maybe under the table, done by Larry. And so apparently he went poink in his eyes, and it, that really hurt. He, that wasn't like a fake one. Mm-hmm. And apparently the story goes that Mo was sitting there going, "I like that," and he wrote it down in his book, which he had handy by his side. So that became part of the act. So, there so much, it's so much of that vaudeville era, and and even the, the you know one and two wheeler films. Mm-hmm. I don't like how much how much ephemera remains for you to go through and to research for this right. book because it seems like you would have to do a lot of digging this is not a wikipedia yeah. entry type project yeah. you're undertaking and that's that's another real issue and once again you know again not putting in a plug for one of my editors but brent was a really huge help because uh, i consider myself having been a journalist that long i i think i always think of myself actually as a better researcher than i do a writer Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can decide, you know, folks, go up and buy the book and figure out whether I am or not. But the mm-hmm. point is, um, the, the research is out there, but there's an awful lot of stuff on the Internet, especially, which is bogus. Some of it's uh, half truth. Some of it's no truth at all. Some of it's absolute nonsense like that Ted Healy was this monster that used to threaten to blow buildings up or, or do bodily harm to the three of them. It, it didn't happen. Mm. I mean, and I, I did my homework. And, you know, thanks thanks to Brent, I did my triple homework sometimes, then come back to him and say, yeah, you were right on that. Boy, I'm glad I didn't put that in the book. So sometimes when I actually would put some, something that was a rumor, I'd allude to that being a rumor just for mm. the sake of putting it in the book. Not for people to say, oh, yeah, I heard that. But it's, well, it's not true. But that's mm-hmm. what you're led to believe. So, yeah, I mean, I could have I could have spent uh, even more time. But um, as it were, I had spent more time for other reasons. Right. But always fun, always fun. And the research, it's just, when you get it, you know, when you look at it and you say, oh, my God, you know, Shem's in a Charity Chan film. He's in a Thin Man film. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, unbelievable. You know, and he's in unbilled roles, which are so funny. You think that towards the end, maybe that the production crews later on in the years would just add him to the list, you know? Because mm-hmm. all kinds of, like, Vernon Dent was in a, a lot of uncredited roles. And, you know, I mean, how can you? Vernon Dent's brilliant, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, very, very close friend of both uh, Shen and Mose. Very close to Shen. Very, very close. Loved him. You know, big nemesis on the, on the film, but uh, off, yeah. off the camera, really loved him. So it just it's for somebody coming into this or who who reads the book and says, you know, I, I want to get back into the Stooges. I watched a bunch of them growing yeah. up. Or I saw, what's what are the good ones to start, especially for the shemp, shempness of it. Do you have, I mean, I'm uh, not saying uh, give me one, just give me sort of 
a couple that, that popped in your head. Okay, well, well, uh, Brideless Groom is mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. And for anyone who says women don't like stooges, turn on Brideless Groom and tell me what woman wouldn't like that. Because the women who are trying to get a hold of Shemp to marry him because they think he's going to inherit this big money, they're beating up the stooges. It's not, <laughs> it's not the stooges doing anything uh, ungodly, and I mean literally ungodly, right. you know, attacking women. They're not doing that. The woman, mm-hmm. uh, one woman has got uh, Shem's head in, in a vice grip, and he's she's squeezing it. She's squeezing him. Christine McIntyre, one of the most brilliant physical uh, and uh, verbal comedians around, and also absolutely stunning woman and a beautiful, beautiful singer. And the, earlier on in that, there's that you may you may recall that the scene, the cousin Basil scene, where she basically she punches him, he punches the lights out of Shem. He goes through a door. And uh, he, you know, comes up groggy. Well, that wasn't going to happen originally because she said, I, I can't do that. I mean, that's, that's cruel. And so he stops and talking, stop, stop, stop cameras. Listen, listen, babe, you got to do this. This is for the, this scene will not work if you don't, you know, just let back and just haul, haul back and punch me. Just give me a good punch. So much as she didn't really want to do it. She, she was a trooper. She did. And you could see when Chen came up, you know, he was, and you know, the the camera stopped and he goes, that's what I meant. That was beautiful. Another one, Fright Night. Fright Night is the first one that, um, that uh, he, he made with uh, replacing Curly written Mm -hmm. for Curly. It was seamless. You would never have known. One of the reasons was because, uh, and I haven't had time to go into this, but Shemp was a lifelong boxing fan. Loved it. Larry actually was a boxer in real life. Right. So there we go. But, uh, but Shem was a boxing fan. And so that was focusing on boxing. And he fit. It fit like a glove. You know, I'm not going to take an OJ uh, bit out of right, that. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it was beautiful. Um, there's just, just so many others. Sing a song of Sixpence. Um, that's another one. Um, just trying to think this. There's so many. There was a, almost 80, 80 shorts. The, the last four, of course, were with the fake Shem. Right. Because, you know, Shem had died. And uh, don't throw that knife. I'm just looking over someone right in front of me. Mary Mavericks is another one. Uh, it just There's just so many gents in a, in a jam. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all. And people say, and you got to remember one thing when you're looking at the, the Shem. Um, stooge films, these latter ones. It was all kinds of things on the go at the time. There was far less location shooting. Budgets were being cut. They weren't spending as much time on uh, on filming as they were before. And I suspect, and I don't have the exact figures here, I think editing probably suffered somewhat. So they were working against some pretty deadly uh, um, aspects of filming that could make their stuff look pretty terrible. So the fact that, that with Shemp, they they maintain a pretty decent level of um, of uh, quality. The, the yeah. last four, which were basically hacked together scenes that it were already filmed, plus the fake Shemp who didn't look anything yeah, posthumous, like, yeah, you know, poor old Joe Palmer. But anyway, um, and if you want to go through uh, all the other stuff of Shemp's, uh, Pittsburgh with John Wayne, uh, go go for uh, um, Convention Girl. He plays a uh, he plays a hood. He plays a, a gangster, dressed in a nice little three piece suit, smokes a cigarette instead of his cigars, nice uh, you know uh, fedora hat on, 
He tries to kill his partner. Champ, totally, absolutely a straight role, total drama. And the only problem with the movie is very, very average, is it came in just after, a year after the, the uh, Hayes Code, which was meant to come <laughs> And so, you know, the rest of the actors, man, it seemed like they were sleepwalking kind of. But all of a sudden, Shemp appears. And I remember it. And I thought, a Shemp, he's a hood. And you know something? He's not doing a bad job of this. He's the only good thing about the movie. Shemp Howard, More Than a Stooge by Jeff Dale is available right now wherever you get your books from Bear Man Media. Why the Podcast is produced by the Professional Production Company. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because we're shallow and need constant validation. For more information, you can check out our website, whythepodcast.com. And like everyone else, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was recorded and produced by Heidi Hegquist and myself from our world headquarters located on the second floor of the professional office building, centrally located downtown. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sauvé and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?